G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. Robin went around to people and near us and said, how about we get together and pray? And one person turned up. But the, the people next to us who we knew vaguely, they owned a holder house down the end of our street. And we got talking to them and he had some religious background, but he said, yes, I'm praying. <laughs> yeah. So it'd bring out the mortality of people, if you like. We don't know whether we're going to be burnt to a crisp or whether it's going to scoot past us. The Story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, a while ago on the program, John and Robin Gibbs from the east coast of Victoria were our guests and John said this. But day three she didn't wake up and the next day she hadn't woken. And this is a person who had no basic, even reflexes had almost gone. So I went over to her and this is a, a comatose person who can't move and I whispered in her ear and I said, Honey, if you want to go to Jesus, the kids and I are fine. And she gave an almighty great kick with her leg. Frightened the life out of me. I just jumped back and said, okay, you're not going anywhere. That's fine. You're staying. We all understand that. (laughs) That was John sharing about a near-death experience that Robin had gone through. We're happy to say that Robin was miraculously healed. But since the program was recorded, they've gone through several other challenges. So we've invited them back to share more of their story. Once again, they're chatting with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Welcome back to the program, John and Robin Gibbs. Thank you, Thank Eric. Thank you. Glad to have you with us once again, and let's get an update on how you are doing, Robin. So, if I remember correctly, you had a burst artery back in 2014, is that right? That sounds right. Yeah, and she's doing real well, to the point where everything continues to just get better. Last year, had her annual eye test, and her eyesight's improved to the point where she doesn't need glasses now for the oh, first wow. time in 30 years or so. Wow. So. And you have diabetes, is that right? Yeah, unfortunately, but we've been believing for that to be gone, of course, and it is. I mean, I am overall, I still have some bad days, but it's getting better and better and better. And yeah, it just blows me out that God is certainly healing and just got to keep trusting him. Amen. Okay, well, let's go to the events that started on the 28th of December, 2019. Now, I was in the United States at the time, and I kept on getting asked by people, hey, what's going on with all those fires, those bushfires in Australia? And, well, you know all too well what was happening. (laughs) What was happening Saturday, the 28th of December, 2019? Mm. We were looking forward to that day because our, our children, our two daughters and families were arriving for about a week and we were going to spend New Year together and mm-hmm. it was all wonderful. The night before they arrived, we heard a fire had started about 30 k's to the east, but we'd been watching because there was fire all around us. Um, they all settled down. By the next morning, there was a town meeting called and they said, if you can get out of town, get out before one thirty. the road will be closed, the fire's imminent. So I quickly went home and said, kids, pack up, get out of here quick. Wow. And they did. They got out of town before. Um, My son left the day before to do a couple of days' work. The fire was hit, and he got back three and a half weeks later. Oh, wow. (laughs) So 
Tell us, what did you think? I mean, could you actually see, literally see the fires in the distance? Not initially. It was just a lot of smoke. The smoke got heavier and heavier and Robin had been... We had the news reports that half of New South Wales is on fire and all the rest of it. Mm, We knew how dry the bush was and how much fuel was there. So she had been preparing the caravan so we could just hook up and go if we needed to. And we'd sort of picked out a couple of spots which we thought would be fairly safe. And by that afternoon, I did a quick run on the motorbike down to check what was happening in town. And people were already starting to flood down to the water's edge. So I come back home too quick, we're going to go now. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck out sort of thing. So we had our car and caravan, our son's truck and his caravan. And the daughter-in-law and the grandkids were all there too. And we drove down and parked by the water's edge and waited. Mm. Robin, what were you thinking and feeling at this point? Probably, it sounds a bit funny, but not really very much because I was sort of at the four years, five years, whatever mm-hmm. it is, after my dilemma. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really think much about a lot of things. I mean, I could think, but it wasn't a reality. You just mm. did what you had to do. You packed the van, you got in the van, you got in the car, you went to the water's edge. We're safe now, we're at water. Mm. That's what it felt like anyway for me. But the next few days were another story. Now, when you left your home... Did you know if you'd ever see your home again? No. We were resigned in our mind that there's every chance there'll be no home when we come back. Hmm. We just waved goodbye to the house and said, oh, thanks for the memories, and drove off, and not knowing we'd ever see it again. Wow. And and when the fires hit town, because they were supposed to hit sort of about 8 o'clock that evening or 10 o'clock that evening, and because of the end of the day and the coolness that comes in, the fire front slowed down. So hmm. we keep getting updates going, oh, the fire will be here at midnight. No, it's going to be here at 2 o'clock. No, it's going to be here at 4 o'clock. And about 11 o'clock, I said to Robin, oh, blow this, let's just go to sleep. So we curled in the van, went to sleep, hmm. and then wake about 6, and the fire was then expected about 8 o'clock. But by then, the wind was starting to pick up, hmm. and you had embers bashing on the van, and, and the smoke was getting thicker and thicker. And we got a bit of a sunrise, and then everything went black. Hmm. And then it went red and the roar like a jet engine when it hit town. Even though we were probably nearly two k's from where it hit town, just Mm. the noise. Yeah. You could feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the power of that thing hit town. And, um, yeah. So the town is called Malakuta. Yep. It's a town of about 700 people. Mm. Yep. So all of the 700 people are now at the waterfront. Pretty much. Along with... People All the, on holiday in yeah, their caravans? 4,000 4, of them. 4,000? 4,000 <laughs> 4, tourists as well. Wow. So you're all in this together. Yeah. And the fire came in, hit town, and... and when you say it hit town, I mean you're talking about the center of the no. town? No, no, just the, the edge, because oh, it was edge, coming okay. from, the, from the west. Okay. So that western front of town was impacted, and instantly, well, within half an hour, you got reports that the school had burnt down, and the, this had burnt down, oh, the wow. fire station had burnt down, all untrue. Uh, oh, is that right? So, yeah. Oh, so incorrect information yeah, yeah. causing anxiety. Yes. And then the fire front had passed and there was a bit of a lull for a while and then just over from us where we were parked at the water's edge, more fire started up again in the shady gully area. It got bigger and bigger, got up into the canopy of the trees and then just roared back up the hill and we said, well, because our house was just over the top of the hill and we said, the first fire front didn't get it, it's gone this time for mm. sure. Mm. And the exploding gas bottles as the houses burnt and that, you know, it was just like being in a war zone Mm. just the boom Mm. boom of the gas bottles exploding and was but the amazing thing was was that we weren't panicking no No one seemed to be panicking i really feel like god just laid out a blanket of peace over everyone Mm. christian and non-christian just everyone Mm. was calm Mm. which i thought was quite incredible we were calm Mm. we weren't even thinking about was our house gone the house not gone i don't know we just doing whatever it was we had to do get a cup of tea or something i don't know (laughs) yeah i was just wondering of all the people there 
I mean, the locals mm. and also all the people there on holiday. Mm. What was the mood among them? I mean, Just, you had peace, but... Yeah, they were pretty much the same. Yeah. Robin went around the people and near us and said, how about we get together and pray? And one person turned up. But the mm. the people next to us who we knew vaguely, they owned a holder house down the end of our street. And we got talking to them and he was had some religious background, but he said, yes, I'm praying. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> It'd bring out the mortality of people, if you mm. like. We don't yeah. know whether yeah. we're going to be burnt to a crisp or whether it's going to scoot past us. So, mm. wow. But even within the knowing or not knowing of what was going to happen, we were at peace. Mm. We were at peace, mm-hmm. but so did everyone else seem to be at peace. Mm-hmm. It was quite yeah. an incredible. That's why I meant like God let down this blanket of peace over everybody. Mm. It was Nobody really was shouting. No one was running no. around. Everyone was just mm. sitting, waiting. Okay, so you're waiting there. How long? And what we were, resources did you have? We were two nights in the caravan on the edge of the lake, so we mm. had our food and everything we had in the caravan. That was fine. We went up to the supermarket at the end of the well, it was first or second day. It's sort of time's gone a bit blurry. Mm-hmm. And the guy in the supermarket has a house just up from ours. And he shouts out as we walk in the door, hey, you guys, your house is okay. Oh, well, we wow. couldn't believe it. Mm. We were sure it had gone. Mm. And We didn't uh, really believe him. It's not that we thought he was lying. It's just like it wasn't a reality mm. to us. Yeah. It yeah, was well, like, you oh. saw that raging fire. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're thinking, how could anything survive? Exactly. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And it burnt up the hill to the back of the houses and stopped dead. Mm-hmm. And it was like half a kilometre radius around our house never got burnt. Mm. We back onto bush. There was all those fuel sitting right at the back yeah. of the house and never burnt. So Yeah. But sadly, I think you told me 130 houses They're were destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. in that neighbourhood. Yeah. So a lot of people lost their homes. A lot yes. of people did, yes. yeah. yeah. And in the midst <laughs> of all that, I heard on the news in the United States that there was a ship that was coming up to help evacuate people yeah. out of that area. Is that right? Yeah. The next day, there was a, a Navy ship there, and then mm-hmm. there was a second one. It turned up, and we can't sing the praises high enough of our volunteers mm-hmm. in the CFA mm-hmm. and, and the Defence Force. They were brilliant. Mm-hmm. They Absolutely. went out of their way to help anyone do mm-hmm. anything. It was just amazing. Yeah, but they evacuated all the tourists out of town, mm-hmm. and then we were left on our own. The roads were blocked. No power, no fuel. Well, the fuel was running out quickly, so no power. We were relying on a, a very little camping generator to keep our fridge and freezer going. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't know when it was going to end? No. But you had food, but a limited amount of food. Limited amount, and some was getting chopped in by air, because, praise God, we have a, an airport at Malakuta, mm-hmm. so stuff was getting in, but then you had to deal with smoke too. Mm. They couldn't fly a lot of the times because the smoke was so thick. We had smoke for weeks and weeks. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I ingested so much smoke, I coughed mm. badly for about six months. Mm-hmm. Rob and I had to pat me on the back, and I'd cough, mm. cough, cough. Mm. And then, I, glory to God, one night I said, I've had enough of this. Lord, heal me. Next morning, breathing perfectly free and never coughed since. Wow. And speaking of health, as we mentioned, <laughs> Robin, you have diabetes. Mm. You needed to get your medicine. Yes, and, um, well, I never even much thought about it. I suppose I probably thought the chemist in town, they'll still have it. Things were pretty grim. But we heard somewhere in the mix of all of that that some woman, I think, but a person in Melbourne who was packing up gear to send to wherever saw their box for Malacuta possibly and said, that's got to go, get that on the plane. Because oh, the plane was about to go, yeah. I think. Mm. So it was like, going to get left behind. And she said, that's got to go to mm. Malacuta. To Malacuta. It could have been Alice Springs, but it was at Malacuta's box. Mm. And uh, that woman saw it and got it on the plane and it got up to Malacuta for people like me. Wow. Which was incredible. Mm. Yeah. So things aren't looking too good at this point. Stranded, don't know when you're going to be able to get out. Mm. Limited food. 
limited power, well, no power, no power. for, what, 10, 11 days? Mm. Yeah, and then they managed to connect, flew in two massive generators. Um, the army brought them in and um, connected up part of the town, but only part because the part was impacted by the fire. All the power lines are down. That, mm. So they yeah. only turned certain parts of town on. But guess what? Our end of the street, mm. the other end didn't get turned on. Oh. So. Because their power came from a different direction. Absolutely miraculous. God was looking after our freezer mm. full of meat. Amazing what God looks after. Yeah. When we got back to the house, wonderful story, I thought, well, we have chickens. And I thought, well, there's no way they could have survived in that thick mm. smoke. We could hardly breathe. I walked down the back. <laughs> <laughs> now, through all of this, I mean, a lot of anxiety is going on mm. for everybody. Mm. How is God working through all this? It's supernaturally enabling. Mm. You just did what you needed to do beyond what you thought you could do. Mm -hmm. And just the peace, not to panic. Mm -hmm. There was no panic. There was never any panic. And uh, he just provided what we needed. You're listening to The Story. Today, John and Robin Gibbs are with us once again to share more of their story and specifically about the challenges they've gone through, starting with the Australian bushfires in the summer of 2020. Next, we'll hear how that was just the beginning of several traumatic experiences they went through, but God was with them through it all. All that and more is coming up when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guests today are once again John and Robin Gibbs, who live in a remote little town on the east coast of Victoria called Malakuta. As we heard before the break, their community was deeply affected by the major bushfires that occurred during the summer of 2020. But as we'll hear, that was just the beginning of the challenges they faced. Here's more of their chat with Eric Scatterbo. So fast forward... You get through the bushfire season, Hmm. get back to your home. Now, the community naturally wants to come together and kind of uh, help each other and commiserate together, I guess you could say. What happened? Well, the fires put us to, because John and I walk every day, just good for me, and so we met a lot of our neighbours just after the fires, and lots of conversations, lots mm-hmm. of how you're going, oh, we're all moaning and groaning, not many yeah. words now expressed. That, that's uh, one of the positives that comes out of a disaster, is that it brings people together. Yeah, yes. mm-hmm. it was beautiful, and I'd say things to people I knew and people I didn't know, I'd say, well, I've actually cried every day, maybe only for five minutes, but I've cried every mm. single day since the fires, yeah. then they would turn back to me and say, so have I. Mm. And I was so blessed by that. It was like this, I don't know, we helped each other. Yeah. It was just yeah. incredible. It gave them yeah. permission to be real. Mm. Yeah. And it was yeah. it was good. And we all, everyone wanted to talk. Mm. If you went down the street to get milk, you allowed an hour because you, everyone <laughs> wanted to talk. They just wanted to know that they were okay. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. that human yeah. contact. And even the animals, it's a really weird thing. Mm. After the fires, the animals were so quiet and peaceful. They just wanted human contact. Neighbour's cat can't get near it. It will allow you to pat it. We're walking down the end of the caravan park and there was a koala walking along in front of us and he stopped at a tree and I just walked up and just he patted him. Hmm. Which you could never do. No. no. Yeah. 
So a very kind of unique mm. situation, people coming together, mm. literally and figuratively. Yes. But then trauma number two happens. <laughs> March of 2020, the whole world this time, not just your area, New South mm. Wales with the bushfires, mm. but coronavirus yeah. hits. Mm. How did that impact this already fragile community? It's like we'd been tumbled through the bushfires. It's mm. like, yeah, you know, we'd been tipped upside down. Yeah, yeah. But then you got smacked in the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> a very good way of putting it, but that's it how just, you felt. It just went bang and everything yeah. stopped. Yeah. Yes. People yeah. stopped talking. People stopped contact. Mm. You go down the street and people walk around you because mm. the fear yeah. was just everywhere. It just So there's this desire after the fires to mm. come together, mm. but suddenly due to another trauma, mm. everybody has to stay apart, yeah. at yeah. least physically. Mm. But yet there was a coming together in another way. Is that right? Mm. Yes. Um, I'd been doing a text, a prayer text, I call it, for people to pray. started with one extra person, where I've got over 100 people on our list now, which I'm not bragging, it's just that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then with corona, we started to do what we called a church text. And uh, it's only a very small few little lines on my phone because I don't do computer. And um, so on my phone, I just put this little message out, usually just the Bible verse that's appropriate to whatever's going on. Yeah, a bit of encouragement and to go with yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, and that's going out to over the 100 people as well. And it's like, wow, that's incredible. Sometimes I don't even think about it, like you just do it. But then other times I sit back and go, that's amazing. God's incredible. I mean, I really, because I've been so isolated for five years, really, yeah. or seven, and no sort of real outreach or being able to share with people corona of course put a stop to most Mm. sharing with other people in a physical face-to-face stuff but now all of a sudden i've got this prayer text and this church Mm. text that i'm still communicating with people and hopefully they're getting something good out Mm. of that Mm. Um, and especially in a time when we couldn't even see people they couldn't see people either they couldn't go to church they couldn't meet with their friends Mm -hmm. one of the people on on that prayer text list we met with about a month ago and he said that his wife was very ill, being diagnosed with cancer and whatever, and he mm-hmm. rang her up mm-hmm. and said to Robin, oh, can you pray for mm-hmm. my wife over the phone? And Robin did. Well, we all in the room, we all joined in, of course, but Robin prayed for her over the phone, and we got a message two weeks later saying she'd had her checkup and the cancer's completely gone. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So praise God for mobile phones. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I'm thinking the two of you and the members of your church community and everybody who's gone through what you've gone through, you're just isolated because of the bushfires, in a sense, and gone Mm. through all that, and then having to be isolated Mm. because of coronavirus. I mean, there must have been trauma fatigue because of everything you've gone through. That must have wore on your mind psychologically, do you think? It could have and should have, but um, I think God's just done something because in many ways we are fine. I mean, I suppose if I wanted to sum up how I felt, I'm lonely. Hmm. Yeah, I felt very alone. And that continued for a long time. And no doubt others felt very similarly. Mm -hmm. And there was such an aloneness happening anyway. People couldn't see family. People couldn't do this, do Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very intense. And Mm -hmm. my experience of that was that it was very real. Mm. Yeah. And the time seemed to go on forever in some ways. We would visit our children, they would visit us semi-regularly, and then all of a sudden you can't do it. There's border closures, yeah. there's this, yeah. there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we managed to drop in to see our kids once on a trip and then get the message, the border's closing in 24 hours, quick, pack up and go. Oh, wow. And then my daughter came to, to be with Robin when I went off on a motorbike ride 
and she was there one day and then there's a quick border closure and she had to go home yeah playing with your mind in, yeah in a sense yeah now unfortunately we're quickly running out of time but that was not all that happened in 2020 december of 2020 what happened uh 2020 ended with a bang we were going to go down the street uh lovely summer's day and I said, oh, we'll, we'll go, go on the motorbike. Mm-hmm. It's a nice day. Let's, let's go on the bike. So I was out preparing to go, and all of a sudden the thought came into my mind, there's a parcel to pick up at the post office. Oh, I better take the car. So Robin and I jumped in the car, headed into town, which is three kilometres. We got two kilometres down the road, and I noticed a car in my, my side, right vision coming quite quickly, and I, I said, oh, gee, you better slow down, mate, bang. And he was straight into our door. Hmm. He was new to town, was looking for a particular house, didn't even see the intersection, straight through into our door. Oh. So, end of car. And this is how 2020 ended for the two of you. Were you you injured? No, not at all. Our car was initially looked slightly damaged, but it was quite damaged and Hmm. written off. His car was destroyed. Uh, No one was hurt. His Hmm. airbags went off and he got out and apologised profusely and all the rest of it. And... Robin was quite shocked and burst into tears, of course, but <laughs> we, we weren't injured at all. Mm. Um, but just what you needed. Yeah, just what we need to go through coronavirus. You can't go anywhere, <laughs> and now our car's taken off us. So. Oh, we still boy. can't go anywhere. <laughs> oh. So 2020, mercifully, comes to an end. Just when you thought you were out of the woods, <laughs> January 2021, what happened? Well, we lost a, a good friend, and that was sad enough. But then a week or so later, my own mum died, and that was most unexpected. She'd gone to hospital. She'd only been in three days at that point, and the verdict of the medical people were that she's fine. She's going to go into high care, high care, mm. but she's fine. And so we're all content with that. But the day before she passed, I just said to God, if this is her time to go... Well, help it to be, for mum, help it to be, I don't know, three three beautiful things. I just can't remember exactly what I said. Something like happy, peaceful and not quick, but something. And uh, I thought, no, I'm not going to ring someone to try and get them to get a phone to mum so I can talk to mum. I'm just going to ring the hospital and see if I can just do it that way. Mm-hmm. So I did. Mm-hmm. And the lady on the other end, whoever she was, was beautiful. She said, yes, of course you can speak to your mum. They put me straight through. I talked to mum. I hadn't had a decent Mm. conversation with my mother for nearly three years because every time I would ring, she would either drop the phone or fall asleep. Mm. So conversations were hopeless. You never got to those last sentences that said, love your mum. And I hadn't had that, honestly, for three years. And then this day, I ring the hospital, get through to her. We have this maybe five to ten minutes maximum phone call with her. It was lovely. And just at the end, she said, Robbie, I love you. Mm. I I mean, I'm only bursting into tears now just talking Mm. about it. Mm. Mm. And that was the last words she ever heard from her mother. Oh, wonderful. She, was, she died that night. Mm. So. so you've been through a lot. I mean, 2020, <laughs> bushfires, coronavirus, then your mother dying. It's been a lot, but we were discussing this just the other day, and the overarching thing of everything has mm. been God's peace. Mm. He is just covered us that promise that he goes before us mm-hmm. it has become very real no one expected either our friend or rob's mum to die but just that calm that preparation and, and that beautiful last phone call for robin was just and it was amazing because my mum's a christian and like i don't look at my mum or think of mum as dead yeah she died but she's alive mm-hmm. and i know where she is and Everything about it is just beautiful. Like, I mean, I haven't lost my mum. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, 
We've run out of time, but unfortunately, we are going to go through troubles. You know that all too well, just in uh, that time frame of 2020 and a little bit into 2021. Any words that you would like to give our listeners about what to think about when going through trauma? Always put God first. Whatever you are facing, go to God with it straight away. Don't seek the counsel of others first. Always God first. He may lead you to others and get counsel and help and from professionals and that, but always go to God first. A girlfriend of mine who plays uh, keyboard and sings beautifully, um, she wrote a song. I don't even remember the words, but the song was called Real. And Real has become a very special word to me, not just because of her song. It was special before that, but that kind of helped. <laughs> and just real. God isn't pretend. He isn't just a good idea. He isn't just a side issue or a tack on. I mean, or, or a theory. Or a theory. He is real, super, okay. super real. And when you start to know and feel his reality and then that gets stronger and stronger and stronger, um, it's just, I don't know, the best thing there is. And so, as hard as it was to go through all these traumatic experiences, the result is you have a stronger faith than ever before. Would that be fair to say? I think so, yeah. yeah. Because we're, yeah, when you're faced with a, a firestorm or a car driving into your mm, door yeah, and all yeah, the rest of it, yeah. you don't have to panic and go, oh, how are we going to get through this? You know that God's going to get you through. Mm. You can't mm-hmm. see how, but yep, you know he yep. will. And mm-hmm. even if we had have died, there was safety in that as yes. well. Like yes. It was like... It's okay. If, we, if this is it, this is it. Mm. Um, there was no panic to live. There was no panic to die. It was just... Well, there was no, we're, we're, there was no he's fear. He's here. He's with us, yeah. no matter which way things yeah. turn out. No fear. Yeah, yeah. God, perfect love drives out fear. Amen. Thank you so much, John and Robin, for sharing all that you've gone through. Thank you for Pleasure. letting us share it. Thank you. <laughs> that was John and Robin Gibbs, who live in a little town on the east coast of Victoria called Malakuta. They were having a chat with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios and were reflecting on a very difficult 12 to 13 months they've been through. But as we heard them share, God gave them peace through it all. Psalm 46 verse 1 reminds us of that. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. The Bible doesn't tell us that there won't be times of trouble, but God promises his presence in those times. Bushfires, pandemics and other tragic events will happen from time to time. But we can always depend on God's presence when tragedy strikes. And he'll fill us with a peace that passes all understanding when we put our trust in him. Well, if you're going through your own tragic experience at the moment, take comfort in knowing that God is always there for you. And if you're at a low point and would like someone to pray with you, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's one 800 772 936. You don't have to be alone in your suffering. We'd love to pray with you on that number again, 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for John and Robin Gibbs sharing their story of their challenging year. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.